Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Business Growth Show, where we talk about all components of business and how to utilize them for exponential growth. My name is Ethan Cassiotis. I'm a serial entrepreneur, international speaker, results strategist, business coach, mentor, and consultant. After over 14 years of being in business and running multiple companies, I felt called to start this show. I see many people struggling to start or grow a business, which is why I want to help entrepreneurs achieve success in business quicker, more effectively, and sustainably. Today, I have an awesome guest. He is a serial entrepreneur, international speaker, global real estate investor, and wealth strategist. He provides consistent returns to his investors through real estate by utilizing a diverse portfolio. Welcome, Peter Long, and thank you for being on my show. Thank you very much, Ethan. It's a pleasure of being here on your show. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, awesome, Peter, and great to have you here as well. I'm sure it's going to be an amazing show for everyone listening. So, you know, you're a very successful entrepreneur. For those people who don't know who you are, please introduce yourself by telling us a little bit more about you and your journey. Sure. So in a very quick nutshell, I, was, I started my career in financial services. So I wanted to learn the fundamentals of how money works. You know, how do people become very wealthy? You know, is it, is it what, is what we perceive as to be wealthy? And one of the first things that really prompted me in my early, early career was actually looking at people who had live in a big house, you know, have a beautiful car, have all the things that we possibly want. I, keep in mind, I was only 19 at this point. And I wanted to see these people and follow the footsteps of these very successful people or what I thought was very successful people. Until, of course, once you get into the, 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 the heat of things in terms of understanding their finances, I realized that it isn't exactly what meets the eye. And so the people who were successful were always very humble. The people who were very successful financially was always very frugal. And the people who had these big houses, these beautiful cars, these amazing mansions were actually the ones that were not necessarily doing very well, right? They didn't have the extra money to spare. So I really wanted to understand how money works. And that was very, my very, very beginning of how I started my financial journey and my business journey. From there, I've also gone on to many businesses. I've had my own firm in the financial planning field, as well as I had a, a series of restaurants, as well as a marketing company, which now is uh, Open Rice in Hong Kong, sold to uh, a, a fairly large organization. I've also had uh, the restaurant chain, which was sold. And then I've also got a, a business that I still have currently today, which is in the uh, duty-free airports and airlines. We sell to 2,600 airports around the world. And then, of course, I'm a real estate investor, which is my pivotal change in my life where that is what I believe to be the most sustainable, rationale, a logical decision that I've made in 2019 where I pivoted full-time to real estate, where I believe the passive income is what's uh, now exceeding my active income. So, that's, so there's a lot of careers in there, a lot of journeys, but at the end of the day, I wanted to find out how I can become financially wealthy following the footsteps as a proven um, sustainable methodology to get there. So that's, that's a little bit on my, on my journey, Ethan. Yeah, that's awesome and amazing and so much experience on so many different businesses and that there. And I can just imagine all of the learnings along the way and, and that, and yeah, just so amazing and, and great to see, I guess, how it's, you know, put you through on that journey now to investing and, and with, you know, real estate and, and everything else. And, um, you know, I, I know you have a key family story that's linked to the real estate. So, you know, can you share a little bit more about that for our listeners so they know a little bit more? Absolutely. So, you know, as, as many of us think, all Chinese people love real estate, right? So my father was very anti-real estate. He didn't like real estate because he was always worried about the risks. He'd seen the days in Hong Kong where interest rates were 18% to 20%. He's always said, you know, if we had put money in the GIC or a T-bill at Hong Kong those days, it would be 21% a year, right? And he said, you know, why invest in anything else? And there, he, at that time, in those times, he saw that, uh, you know, not only that the, the interest rates were so high, a lot of people were going, you know, were being foreclosed. A lot of people were getting their homes taken away. So he had this mindset or this uh, rationale that investing in properties was dangerous or you know uh, reckless sometimes and that was always his perception so all over the years of my upbringing he's always said well if we you know when we drive by some of these places that we could have bought he's always said well if we had bought this this is what we would have i mean could we have done this this would have it would have been 
right? How amazing would that have been? So it was always a bit of that, I would say, regret of doing something or not doing something. So after I learned, you know, some of the wealth principles early in my career, having my own firm as well, I, I realized that, you know, one of the most sustainable ways is real estate. And that's why there's more people who are financial millionaires than in the world created by real estate than any other industry in the world. And that still exists today, other than the fact that of the, of the tech boom, of, of, the, of the internet boom. But I look at that and I go, you know, you have to have created that wealth in terms of real estate by a sustainable method. So I, it's not about, you know, getting rich. It's not about, um, you know, how quickly you can get rich, but it's how surely you can be financially wealthy. And so, you know, that's what I say about real estate, right? Real estate is not a get rich quick, it's a get rich for sure. And so back now, this is in uh, 2009, I had bought my, uh, you know, because of what my dad had perceived to be, I couldn't tell him about buying property, right? So I actually bought my first property behind his back. And I remember this, I still remember this to this day because I'm, I'm nearly 30 years old at that time. And uh, that was the very first time he sat me down, right? And actually had a conversation with me and said, we told you not to do it. Why did you, right? And it was the first time, like ever. And I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is intense, right? Because I was in Hong Kong and I bought a property in Vancouver. A package came in the mail. My mother asked me if I wanted to open up. It came by FedEx. And I said, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm not coming back anytime soon. So could you open it up? And little did I know the package came out and it said, congratulations on your recent purchase. So my mother, of course, didn't tell me, right? My mother went to my father. My father sat me down, had gave me a yearful. But I knew this. After a week, he sort of mellowed out to the idea. He, doesn't, he, didn't, give me that, uh, he didn't give me that pressure anymore. He just sort of mellowed out the idea. And after two weeks, he didn't really talk about it anymore. And little did I know, after that point, I just went on a buying spree because I said, you know, now that he's warmed up to the idea, it's all good. So behind his back, I bought a lot of property in, in Vancouver. Uh, at that time, because of, you know, an early start to, um, to real estate, I didn't have a huge amount of capital. So I did a lot of the off plan in the UK or what we call uh, pre-sales here in Vancouver and in North America. And so that really gave me my edge. And then, you know, my biggest thing, Ethan, was the most proudest moment was not how much money I made. It's not what happened, you know, like what I could buy or, or any of this stuff. It's actually in 2018, my father became a real estate investor. And of course, he never says it's me. It's all because he discovered real estate. But you know what? It doesn't matter. The fact that, you know, I was able to do something and we're able to now pivot from where, you know, he gave me a stepping stone and I'm able to further expedite that and actually give my children or my child uh, an opportunity to be financially well, wealthy and financially frugal for the, for the future and leave a legacy. To me, um, that is, that, that's always been my goal. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really amazing story. And that's obviously why I wanted you to share it. And, and I think it comes down to, you know, our parents always want the best for us, right? And um, little do they know that a lot of that comes from their parents and their beliefs. And, and some of that is positive and some of them is limiting, right? And, you know, obviously your father had some issues with property and, you know, he didn't want you to go into that stage and, and, and hats off to you for for doing your due diligence and seeing, no, wait a minute, there's, there's a, you know, a market here for me to, you know, invest in, and, and create wealth. And, um, you know, you warmed him up to it and, um, you know, you went on that and he's obviously he's seeing your success. And I think that's the best way you can tell someone something, but if you show them, you know, through your actions and what it is, then it, you know, becomes twofold and, and it takes a long time for, um, you know, our parents, I think, especially because they're so ingrained in their ways to sort of warm up to that. And, and I've done that with my parents in terms of mindset and certain things over time. But that, that's really amazing that, you know, you got him into it as well. And, and I'm sure that, you know, he's very thankful of that. And he, he knows that, you know, you're going to provide for the family. So it, it's really amazing. And, um, you know, and it's, it's so key, like, when you, you know, that mindset component of it, right, is that um, what, what our parents instill in us, it's, um, yeah, very powerful when you understand you're aware on, on how that affects you. And I think that's, you know, Ethan, that's a lot of it had to do with a lot of coaching, right? Because, you know, people, you know, they, they want, like you've hit it on the head, right? People want the best for you, especially your family, but their best 
is to the best of their knowledge. And so they've gotten to where they've gotten to by their belief, right? And that doesn't, it's not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is positive or negative. It's their belief. It's their opinion. It's their, it's their interpretation, right? The interpretation is to their best of their ability. They've given you the best advice, but their advice was 30 years ago, right? The times of, I remember this. I, I, my father was one of my first role models and still continues to be my core role model today. And he, and I remember this, this is all when he got the, um, you know, he saw me with the iPads and the iPhones and everything else. And he was like, Oh, I'll never need that. Right. I, there's no need for that. He's had a Motorola flip phone and he's like, you know, look at my phone. It's awesome because it's got big letters and you know, I can see the, I can see it really well. Why do you need all that? You know, all that extra technology. Right. But he's also one of those people who also realized after a while that he goes, hey, I can't do these things. I can't WhatsApp. I can't see what the world is going on. And so when he switched over, he goes, now he'll never go back. He's fully on iPad. He's fully on uh, the iPhone because it gives him the ability to access. And he'll admit it because he goes, I have to change. I have to change with the times. So some people are get stuck with the times and some people move on. And to me, it's, it's, it's not you know 30 years ago is great that's his ex experience you can't challenge that the fact that he had friends and family who had taken had houses taken away because of the high interest rate you can't say that's wrong you just say that was the experience back then the financial system doesn't work the way it used to work or certainly the way it functions so you know that's why when for early in my career then it's really important for me to understand how money works because if you don't understand the rules of the game you will always lose right monopoly chess same thing if you don't understand the rules you'll always lose the game and the one thing that we have is we work many of us work 40 hours in a typical job and for those entrepreneurs even 80 hours a week right but here's the thing when was the last time you 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 spend those 40 hours making that amount of money but yet you don't spend 40 minutes in that week planning your finances, right? So you go spend 40 hours to go make this money, yet you, have, you haven't spent 40 minutes actually learning how to grow that money. And everybody, Nathan, I, in my belief, is everybody deserves the right to be financially free. The question is whether they choose to be financially free and they have to make the right steps towards that. Yeah, uh, so many awesome points there. And, and like you said, um, you know, you've got to make that choice and, and awareness comes to it as well. But a lot of the time, um, you know, sometimes you need some, you need an outside influence, right? It's like, okay, um, is it like family? Is it friends? Is it, you know, business acquaintances or somebody? And that's, you know, can be um, introducing you to like a coach or a mentor or somebody or introducing you saying, hey, you know, we did this and, you know, we got this result or have you tried this or whatever it is. And, and that, Sometimes it needs that conversation. Um, some people are, are really, you know, blessed and they're naturally curious is probably a good word. And they go out and say, okay, well, I need to analyze, I need to research and how do I do this and, and things like that. And, and I think, um, and that's where coaches and mentors help us, right? Because we can do a lot of this ourselves, but how long is it going to take for us to get there? And, and is it the right information? Is it the information that works, you know, if we do it ourselves and it can take a long time, whereas, you know, why don't we go to someone like yourself and say, hi, oh, Peter, you know, you've got this massive portfolio. You're obviously doing, you know, you've got the correct strategies. How can you help me, you know, to build my wealth? Um, so I become financially free. And, and like you said, I think, you know, the, the system, money, finances, you know, it's a game in the end, right? And realistically, you've got to understand the game so you can beat the game because, you know, we're not here just to, you know, to work, like you said, those, those amount of week, we want to be able to, enjoy life to an extent it's not like you want to you're going to sit on a beach for the rest of your life from today onwards you still want to do something with your life that you enjoy but at the same time you know money brings you choice right so you know and, and freedom so if you want to go traveling if you want to you know do businesses if you want to do whatever it is with your life that's what money provides you you want to give the best care to your family right if something was was to happen or you want to have you know an amazing setup in in your house you don't have to have 100 houses but you know you want to have a particular house in a particular area that you like to live whatever that is to you that's what money gives you and you know a lot of people have these limiting things about money growing up you know money is the root of all evil and all these other things that you know parents have um, instilled or other people and and i think um, once you understand that it's just energy, it's a resource for us to use, 
then it's like, okay, how do I make it work for me? Um, you know, because it's, and it's all about that value and, and, and making it all happen. Absolutely. You, you hit it on the head, right? I mean, you know, understanding how, you know, like why I call it a game is not because it's, 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 it, it, you know, you get to enjoy it, right? Like a game, you, you, you learn, you know, how do I do this better, right? You, the, and it's all, you know, a, a circle 20, you know, a, a, a circle 22. What, basically, here it is. The more success that you have in it, the more you're going to want it. And the more that you want it, you're going to get more successful at it because you're going to take the time to learn about it. It's the same thing as kids. So my child is one, one year old now. Um, and, and anything that we're like, hey, you're doing a great job, guess what he does? He does more of it, right? And the more he does of it, he, the better he gets at it. And the better he gets at it, the more he wants to do it. And it, it's this, it's, it's his evolution. So, you know, the more that you, you, you make in terms of finances, it doesn't mean that's, that's going to make you the only happiness, but it's going to give you the ability, okay, well, how do I do better at it? How do you tweak it? How do you optimize it, right? How do you find other people who can actually help you along the journey? You're going to look for those ways. Well, how do I enhance that, right? I didn't start off doing, you know, commercial property, you know, a lot of Ikea, like I do a lot of Ikeas, Walmarts, Costco, Tesco's and, and, and the likes, right? AAA tenants or international tenants around the world where we work with a lot of investors. But I started with, you know, the little one, you know, residential property. And from the one little residential property, then I scaled up. I'm like, okay, you know, what is there a better way to do it? How is the bank going to perceive that? How, how can I utilize these silent partners like the banks? Or how can I get less in pay less in terms of taxes and be more tax planned and efficient as I do property? So those are all the things you, you start tweaking, you start picking at what you can do better. And that's when you'll start to start to notice more improvements. And that's how I start from going from real estate to, you know, private equity and angel investment, hard money lending and everything else along that line. Cause there's so much to learn. And I love that part. Cause then you can keep growing. You can go, how can I make this better? How can I enhance this? And that's what coaching does. People who've been there, who's, who's done it, you know, earlier than I have. And some of my coaches are, you know, one, one gentleman is over 70 years old and he's, he's had tons of property, right? Like more property than he can count. And he's extremely humbled about it. He does, he's not the guy, type of guy who to, to flash it. But what was really important, some of the things I learned from him was just simply the fact is you, you, you learn from the people who have already done it, right? So he's, all, he's taught me one thing. He goes, don't listen to people about money that are more broke than you are right? Never do that. Cause then all you're going to get is get what they got. Right. And it's and nothing wrong with that. You're going to go find a locksmith to open your, to, to, to crack open your door. You're going to find an accountant to manage your, your, your accounting. You're going to go to your dentist to get your teeth done. You're not going to go to your plumber and ask for your finances, even though that your brother-in-law, they could be your sister. I mean, they might have a, they might make a lot of money as a profession in other things, but seek the right people to actually help you expedite to where you need to get. And that's the thing that you can compression of time, right? So, so a lot of people can compress 30, 40 years of their experience in here's five things I would need to change. Here's a few things that I would definitely not do. Here's a few things I would definitely avoid. doesn't mean it works for you, but it, this is my experience. And that's how you can get much more success, whatever it is, right? Mentorship, you know, dentists, lawyers, uh, all do that, right? Essentially, they get out of school. They follow somebody who's successful, to have their own practice and apprentice with these people. And that's why you have people with experience. And if you don't, then you just have book smart. That's not just going to do it. So it's a combination of everything. And, and for me, because I've seen a lot of it and I really wanted to understand how it worked. That was, that was my, my craving. I wanted to crave for, okay, didn't come from an extremely wealthy family or anything like that. Right. We barely scraped up enough to move to Canada because of the you know, 97 sovereignty of, of, of Hong Kong handover. So it was an, a stepping stone for you know, my parents to scrape up all their resources just to give me that one opportunity. Right. And that and so for me, it was really adamant that I go, I, I, I need to make use of this opportunity because otherwise I would have wasted everything my father's, you know, you know worked for. Right. And then what am I going to provide for my family? Right. So for me, it was really about that passion of that drive going, I, I needed to do more. I didn't want to disappoint my parents. I wanted to be able to grow and I wanted to see how I can build the best version of me and make my parents proud too. So, yeah, 
Oh, that's that's so awesome. Um, you made it. You know, I really agree with all of that. A lot of awesome points, and and I think that you know, looking at opportunities is a big thing, right? Like we have to be open for it, and and you, and if you sort of think about it, it's a lot of wealth diversification, right? Because a lot of people, you know, do start in business because you know business is a good way, an easy way to make money, depending on the type of business. Some need more capital than others, but these days, you know, you can start a business quite um, cheaply, right? But then once once you make the money like, you know, you've got two avenues, right? You invest all or some of it right into the business again to grow it. Otherwise the rest of it, it's like invest in something else because you, you know, you, you need to diversify. And, and one level is obviously having multiple businesses, but then you need to go, what are other, you know, avenues that you can do it? You know, property, you know, is there, you know, there's stocks and there's other things, right. That you can invest in. But as you said, I think property is the key one that over time where the most billionaires and most people do it and then that's really a key one that, that people really understand so in terms of property for you like you know what types of property do you invest in and why so I've, it's an evolution right so a lot of people go ask me well peter you know what deals are you interested in right and i go actually as a matter of fact i'm i'm very diverse right i can i there's three major markets that I focus on the canada us as well as uk so there's the three major markets. I also deal with the currency hedging that allows me to maximize my return. So, uh, or actually to buy at the lowest cost because of currency as well. So those are the three major currencies. And, and that's why I also deal with those three countries, also economically stability. For me, first and foremost is not return, it's risk. How can I reduce risk and still earn a good return? So what I call that is a risk adjusted return. I need to be able to achieve that in order for me to go, okay, I'm interested. Now, furthermore than that, what type of property? Well, I love commercial, right? Commercial properties are my favorite. And the reason for that is because I, the, my business model is going after, you know, a big, big box or triple A companies or serial, uh, serial uh, international companies that have a significant operation. And why that is, is because that, you know, I always look at it this way. People go, well, why not residential? Residential might even make you more money. It's faster, it's more nimble. And I go, well, here's the thing. Who's going to likely to pay rent? Is it going to be Tesco's or is it going to be the mom and pop that works at Tesco's, right? So I've always said, you know, that's my level of security. And when I'm working with investors and when I'm dealing with raising capital and working with a series of entrepreneurs and investors, I always look for the, the downside. What is the downside? Is there going to be a downside? What's the worst case scenario that's going to happen, right? So how do I lock in my risk and also provide me that return? And in the cases of many of the commercial property, that gives me a very, very good risk adjusted return. And also, you know, people, here's the thing. I'm always about a passive income, right? When I first started, I didn't want to be more busy. I wanted to be more earning more passive income. So by me doing that, going after these uh, commercial properties that allowed me to sign leases for 10, 15, 20 years and get paid as I do one deal to get paid for the next 20 years. That's what I'm into, right? So how do I do one thing and get paid for it in the next 20 years? That is what, you know, to me, property is all about. I'm not necessarily the person to buy a property, refurbish it, and then flip it back on the market. I'm after wealth creation. Right, as I said, from my very grassroots, is about how do I become financially free? How do I become financially independent? How do I become financially, you know, spending free, so I can spend on whatever I need to do? You know, whether it's kids' education, uh, which is of course a very expensive thing here in Hong Kong. We've just been going through that process. Um, you know, education, healthcare, everything else of that nature is is fairly expensive, and so we want to be able to create that lifestyle that we want, and so the type of properties I look for are passive generating income type of properties. Uh, on the occasion, we might look at uh, flips. Um, we also do a lot of it, what we call HMOs in the UK. Um, I have a 105 bed senior home. I have an assisted living 65 bed. I have, like I say, you know, some of the big box stores. Uh, and I do have some residential in sort of London as well as Canada, Toronto, Vancouver, and Eastern Canada as well. And some of the uh, portfolios in um, in the U.S. where we do some joint venture um, uh, um, commercial properties as well. So it's a, it's a fairly diverse uh, component. We also do a lot of like car washes and uh, self-storage 
which you can see on our Instagram, Facebook, where, you know, self-storage is another big business. So it's real estate combined with operations that we're also doing as well. So it's a combination of everything that we look at. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm always at, at looking to learn about the new and, and things that I haven't been exposed to and identify whether that could fit into my real estate portfolio and also whether that is going to be a, an investment that's going to be worthy venturing into. So it is a very, uh, it is a mouthful of different type of uh, real estate, but for the most part is definitely down the, everything has to meet the goal of how does this generate me passive income over the long term? And so I just, but I do want to bring up one point. Passive income does not get generated until you have some money. Right. So a lot of people go, well, you know, I just want to generate passive income from day one, but I don't have anything. Right. How is that possible? Well, it's not. So don't get bought into the idea of passive income unless you're able to go make it work. So at the very beginning, how can you do, how can you earn and make money, save money and then buy property? And then that property generates more passive income. So don't get bought in just to, you know, hey, I, I want to build passive income from day one. You got to put in some work. You got to put in some work to generate the savings or put in some work to build your business to generate that extra income to be able to deploy into real estate. That is for passive income because you don't want to buy one property and end at that, right? So there's, there's many, many faucets. It has to fit for your, fit, fit for you, fit for your views and the type of property that you want. But for me, passive income is the name of the game. How do I generate you know, three times the net worth in the next 10 years. That is the name of the game for me right now. Yeah, I love that. And um, yeah, it is so important uh, for people because there's not a lot of things that give passive income, right? Like, and you know, real estate is a big one, right? Even with businesses, you can have, you know, potentially long-term agreements, but there might only be a few years, if anything. And then even then that's dependent on the clients and, and everything like that. Um, so it's, you know, you don't get that, you know, business, potentially has a lot higher return on investment, right? Um, you know, in it to, to be able to get it. However, you don't have the security. Um, whereas like you said, um, you know, that's how you can really create it so that, you know, you're getting this, this money in all the time, you, you know, whatever the deals that you're doing, um, you know, is so important to then, you know, that way, for example, if, you know, your, your partner or something wanted to stay home and, and look after the kids or something like that, you know, then she can do that to, to raise, you know, um, the kids and cause you've got the money coming in, right. You don't need to be like, Oh, I need to work. And, um, you know, she needs to somehow work and things like that. So yeah, you know, so really important. I, I really love that. And, um, and I guess, you know, when you're looking at all of these different things, um, like when, when you're assessing them, what key metrics or components do you look for? Well, like I say, the first things first is risk. What is the risk, right? Am I able to absorb the risk? Does it change my lifestyle if I'm wrong, right? So I always look at the downside before I look at the upside because everybody can paint a rosy picture, a blue sky scenario, but what's a gray sky scenario, right? So what's the worst case that's going to happen? So for me, the worst case is I'm still going to make money, just not as much, right, in a real estate deal. So a recent deal, one of the recent deals that we did, for example, was a, um, our neighbor, uh, the neighbor across the street was just sold to um, a, a developer. And that whole big plot of land was sold for, um, you know, 137 million, right? So as that happened, I'm looking for properties around the area because nobody buys $137 million worth of property and sits on it and do nothing. So I knew that that was what's gonna happen. Here's a strategy, right? So as, as people are buying this $137 million property and completed on it, I knew that they're going to develop something. I don't know what it was, but I knew that that was the play. So for me, looking around their nearest vicinity gave me the opportunity to ride the upside. Because as they build, what is it going to do? It's going to bring more people. It's going to bring more density. It's going to be a rezoning capacity. It's going to be a renewed neighborhood. It's going to bring in workforce. Again, it's in the commercial field, uh, commercial side of things. And so I basically look for that piece of property. And so my downside is just, I have to wait for him to redevelop. That's my work. That's my downside. And yet I have a property that's self-generating income, passive income, not very much, but it's going to generate passive income for me while I wait. And once I'm done waiting and they've redeveloped and rezoned, all I need to do is get my rezoning as well. So, I mean, I've piggybacked on their efforts, fully on their effort, but now I'm getting the upside alongside with that. So 
to me, it's not about, like I say, it's not about get rich quick, it's about get rich for short. So in real estate plays for me, it's not necessarily, okay, how quickly can I turn this thing around? Can I turn this thing around three months, six months? I'm, I, you know, of course that's great. I mean, everybody loves great return. I do too. But I also look at what is the downside? Is there going to be a downside in this property, right? How am I going to sustain the downside if it were to happen, right? And so that's why in some of my leases, actually a majority of them, Ethan, I actually have a clause that if, they, if, if my tenant actually moves out and they have a 20-year 20, 20 lease, they have to pay 80% of the remainder of the lease. If, let's say, 20 years left, they have to pay 80% of the 20 years worth of rent that they needed to pay me. Right. So if they needed to move out, I have plenty of time to look for another tenant. Or I have plenty of time to, you know, to have that property paid for times, times over again. So to me, it's always about the downside. That's one of my core, mate, uh, you know, core evaluations. Second is, am I using my money effectively? Right. Am I using the bank support? So I've always called banks my silent partner. Right. There's two silent partners that you'll always have. One is the bank and the second is government. Right. Um, so they both, they want their piece, right? And what that means is I, how can I utilize my silent partner better, right? In terms of the bank and how can I reduce the amount that of, of intensiveness that I got to get involved with the government? So those are the two things I, I look at as well as my second evaluation. And third is the opportunity cost, right? What is the type of return that I'm getting here versus if I did something else, right? Because there's always a limited amount of resource. There's always a limited amount of deals that you want to do. I don't want to do, you know, 100 deals a year, right? My model is to go is when I, I've always said this, if a, if a great deal came to you every day, well, none of them was a good deal, right? All of them were just standard. So, you know, that's how I perceive everything is going, was this, a, is this a good deal independently? And what are the opportunities I'm turning away if I did this deal versus another deal? Right. So I look at, you know, and every time it all, all changes, right? Pre-COVID was different. During COVID is different. Post-COVID is going to be different, right? Times change. And every day something else happens. So we need to adapt as investors, as entrepreneurs, um, how we adjust to the time that's happening. And that is something that I always look at all the time. So I stay relevant in terms of the marketplace. I stay very close to the areas I look at. I work with joint venture partners that allows me to, and that's the biggest thing, right? You know, who, who am I working with? Am I working, you know, so people send me deals all the time. Who am I working with? Who is the person on the ground? Who are the boots? What are they doing? What experience do they have? Because for me today is not only working by myself. I also work with a group of investors that rely on my expertise, my experience, my knowledge, and my know-how and my network to deliver the results as well. So it's no longer about Peter going out there, running around and go, okay, you know, can I find the properties? But properties get sent to me. How well can I evaluate them based upon my knowledge, my experience, my network and my resources to analyze and to make those decisions, to make the right decisions, right? And then from there, the partners that I work with that are going to de-risk my investment or our investment. So that's, those are some of the criteria that I look for um, when I go into a real estate. Yeah, awesome. And, and so important. And I like how you talked about, um, you know, different opportunities, other people as well, and that you've got to be mindful of them with, with who you partner with, because you don't have to do it all yourself, right? You know, a lot of people think um, I do that. But, um, you know, especially when you get started, uh, it can help by doing, you know, joint ventures, or, you know, obviously learning with other people. And that way, not only can you use other people's money, um, but you also, you know, reduce the risk if you go in together and things like that, because there's always um, a certain level of risk with things. So it's, um, you know, really important there. And, and, you know, you were obviously talking about, you know, opportunities and things like that. And I think it's an interesting time now we're in, right, with, uh, with COVID and, and everything like that. So um, there's a lot of uncertainty in things. Do you see any other, I guess, specific opportunities that are coming out at this time in the market? Absolutely. I mean, there's always opportunities. The question is, does it, does it work towards your risk appetite? Right? There's always opportunities. The question is, what do you make of it? Like, like for example, um, you know, just to share one of the things that happened in history, right, for me, in my career in real estate. So my first biggest boom was um, as I saw the real estate climb in Western Canada. So Toronto, Vancouver were two markets that I was very heavily invested in because I saw the migration. I saw the immigration 
of a lot of people call uh, the Asians, right? The Asians came because of whatever reason, China, you know, uh, Europe, Europeans, as well as, you know, those from Hong Kong, Japan, Taiwan, they're all moving to Canada. A lot of them were moving to Canada. So I saw that trend. I mean, sometimes trend is your friend. Don't go against the grain. So then make the easy decisions, right? You don't have to make, making easy decisions does not discredit who you are. Sometimes just understanding and seeing, open your eyes and go, hey, what is going on? And so for me at that time, I saw this huge immigration move. And what do I understand? I mean, there's three things I know about the, you know, the Asian community, right? Because I'm, I'm Chinese, but I've been in Canada for 26 years. So for me, it was like, hey, it was, it was an eye opener. I saw this. And so I, wanted, I, I would just want to share this experience because this is how you evaluate. You know, I'm going to teach you sort of the basics how to fish when it comes to evaluating opportunity. Because it's not like, hey, you know, what's going on? Because a week from now, that could be different, right? Peter, what you shared last week is no longer relevant because post, you know, post-COVID changed. But here's the thing. Back in that time, I saw that the Asian community, when they moved over to Canada, they do three things, right? One is they understand how to trade stocks and shares. Well, here's the thing. They didn't understand stocks and shares in America. They understand stocks and shares out in Asia. So they can trade stocks and shares out of Asia relatively easily. Second is they understand businesses. So they're typically doing businesses with China. Why? Because they didn't necessarily spoke the same language or have that same network at that point. So they were, they were maybe doing trade or some sort of business with China over to America or to Canada, right? So they were still back home in the mindset. But the third thing is they understand real estate. But they're not going to, I mean, the reason why they left is because they wanted to invest elsewhere and they wanted to deploy their capital as well as their financial well-being and their family well-being abroad. So what are they going to buy? They're going to buy local real estate. So, I mean, that, that's figuring out a trend, right? Now you know, oh, they're just going to buy real estate in my area. They're going to buy real estate in your, you know, where the immigration is happening. And so when you saw that boom, you just need to ride the wave. And that's when I started to buy a lot of the real estate going, okay, what do they want? What do they like? Because as real estate's all about comparables, what is there to compare against? So if that guy bought, you know, that property at a 30% increase, what do I know? It means that all the other properties around the same area are going to increase by 30% by comparable. And if you not only have one, but you have two, you have five, you have 10 of these comparables, now that is market price. So yeah. to me, that was something I learned. And then 2016, as Brexit happened, I went, I, I pivoted completely all over to, um, to UK because at that time, 2016, they had Brexit, unforeseen. You know, no G7 countries ever voted for a recession, essentially. But what ended up happening, I knew that was an opportunity. Crisis is an opportunity, right? When there's a crisis, that is an opportunity for the prepared. So at that time, because of the, the opportunity that I presented, that's when I grew most of my portfolio, 2016 to 2018 in the UK. So most amount of times I was there at that point was 14 times in 12 months. I didn't live in the UK, but my, but my, uh, but my girlfriend, my wife today is saying, well, you, you barely live and lived in Hong Kong. So when you see the opportunity, you have to go grab it, or at least you have to explore it and then determine if that's an opportunity for you. So fast forward, both those opportunities, I saw the trend, I saw the opportunity, I, I grasped the opportunities and I went, I did that with a lot of people who followed me in along those lines. Fast forward to COVID 2020, 2021. Well, here's the thing. I mean, a lot of, it's all predictable, right? It's like um, the butterfly effect, right? So, you know, you have a, you have a, 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 a drop in a pond and it ripples out. So we're still in essentially like ground zero because we haven't even gone through the phases of COVID in terms of, okay, how do we contain, right? Government bailouts have not yet stopped. And to me, that is sort of the, the, the phase that will mark the second phase of what's going to happen in terms of real estate because everybody is shielded from what's going on. The next phase is going to be governments reducing or if not eliminating some of these bailouts or the amount of um, extra money that they're going to be pumping into the economy. And that's when you see you know, where the truth really starts to come out. So opportunities are all over the place right now. They're still hard to find. I mean, you want to find the hard to find stuff. You don't want the thing that you can just walk down the street and pick up because those aren't the best deals. So there's always the best deals that you need to, you need to look for uh, based upon your parameter. So, you know, if I want to do say five deals um, in the next quarter, 
I'm going to look for the, the, the ones that I go, you know what, these are out of all the, what I've evaluated likely to be the best that I can choose. And that's what I picked for because everybody is limited by um, their parameters of resources. Because even if you have a billion dollars, buying a few buildings in central Manhattan or buying a few buildings in Hong Kong would surely spend your few billion dollars, right? There's no, I mean, you know, there, there, there's more buildings than there is money. So for my limitation uh, is going, okay, what do I pick along the lines? What I, what I deem to be a great opportunity today is going to be in the residential sector. So you might go, well, Peter, last, last, like three months ago, six months ago, you talked about this. This is where it's to be. I go, yeah, because time change, right? And that's why economists change their views too, right? One day they're saying this. And for a long time, I actually wonder, well, how come they changed their view? I mean, you said last week, right? And then, you know, you go on another show and they're like, well, now that this is their new view, because economies change you know, government interventions change. Um, you know, the, the, the moods of the banks change. The mood of the investors change. The person who's moving houses change. So as these things pivot and as these things change, us as investors need to remain nimble and not to be stuck by our views going, oh, this is why I believe, this is why I said, therefore, I need to be like, hey, I'm sticking this through even though times are changing. So today I would definitely look at, you know, uh, inexpensive or lower end of the spectrum of type of properties in the residential space because those are bread and butter um, or go the ultimate the exact opposite direction and do um, not uber but you know basically premier or high level um, apartments or high level properties because you're getting huge discounts from that end or you're going the lower end of the market where you're getting good bank financing and huge support because of the demand is high and the supply is not so supply and demand base back to basics. Yeah, definitely. That's so many awesome points there, Peter, that you shared. And, and I think, like you said, you've got to look for the trends, look for the opportunities and make a decision. And I think um, a lot of people um, have trouble with that, right? Um, and, and obviously you can share decisions with coaches and mentors to see what they think as well that can help. But I think people get sometimes in the analysis by paralysis and they don't make a move because they, they think about things too much and they get a bit of a procrastination, you know, type of thing. And, and that's yeah. where uh, it can hurt people. So, you know, for that being a big problem for entrepreneurs, you know, procrastination, you know, what strategies do you have in place to ensure, you know, it doesn't occur? Well, here's the thing about procrastination. Procrastination is usually the fact that you don't, you know, you, I mean, there's two types in, in, in my view, right? One is that you're procrastinating because you don't want to do it, right? So if, if, investing, if investing is the reason you're procrastinating, then that just means that you either don't know what you're doing or you don't have people around you that you trust to help you make those decisions. So find somebody who can offload that stuff too because it's not going to get better, right? It's not going to get better for those decisions because you just don't know how to handle those decisions because they're not down your wheelhouse. So a lot of my investors, same thing. They, they've procrastinated for a long time because they go, yeah, I knew we should have invested in property, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do, right? So find somebody else that has the capacity to help you that you trust to have that have their, that have their alignment and their vested interests alongside with yours, right? So that's very important. It's not just trusting people who goes, you know what? Yeah, do this, do that. How are they, how are they backing it up? How are they making those decisions with you? right? And also, how are they aligned with you as well? So are they invested alongside with you to make that to make that qualified decision? But in terms of procrastination, going back to that, find people who can help you make those decisions or actually help you analyze those decisions, right? Typically, I would do that with a lot of my clients or even a lot of investors that are looking at buying their own property going, Peter, what do you think? Well, how do you how do you break that down? The other type of procrastination is because you don't want to do it, right? is the stuff that you go, you know what, I, I dread doing it, right? That's why you're procrastinating. Or you can't find a financial result. You can't see why you're doing it. And so from that end, if it's, if it's not something that needs to be done and that you don't have any reason for doing it, just, just forget it. Don't even put it on your list. Just scratch it off and go, you know what, move on. I don't need to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. And therefore, it's not something I need to deal with because it adds additional stress when you procrastinate, when you have a list of 30 things and then every day you have those same list of 30 things, it actually bogs you down. Your mental capacity is already screwed by the time you actually think about how much stress you have about these 30 things, right? A lot of other people go, oh, there's a lot of methods 
as to like, you know, do the easiest thing first, get yourself in momentum, get yourself in gear, right? Do your, uh, but for me, I only do the critical stuff and hand off all the crit non-critical stuff to my team, right? So to me, that allows me to stay at my peak condition, but also at the same time, I want to make those decisions that other people cannot make for me, right? And that's what I want to focus my time, energy, or efficiency on is focusing on decisions that will alter my path or make a difference to me and, and, and my family. So I would say, you know, procrastinate is, it's really only those two reasons, right? One is that you can't make the decision on your own because you don't know what you're doing, right? Then work with somebody, whether it's going to be, if you're in your business, you're procrastinating, you know, going online. Like for example, a mega trend is average, obviously business is going online. If you're now procrastinating going online, it's not because you don't see online, it's because you don't know what you're doing. So find somebody else that can help you get there, right? Or the other is that you, you see online as important, but you don't want to do it. So that's your, 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 your list of those 30 things. You go, yeah, it, I don't think, I think online's a fad, you know, things are going to mellow out, you know, once the pandemic's over, everybody's going to go back to brick and mortar. So that's your, your other side of the, 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 the procrastination is like, yeah, it's, it's all good. I'm just, you know, I haven't done it because I think it will revert back to where it was. So, you know, either one of those, determine what you are doing, which one of your decisions that you're making are either one of those, and then solve it because it's not going to get solved on its own. And certainly us as individuals, as business owners, we don't want to get bogged down from the start of our day. We want to be able to get right, jump right into things. So for me, I rather scratch off things off my list and go, you know what? I don't actually want to do this. It doesn't impact me. It's not something I want to deal with. I don't think it impacts me in any particular way. So you know what? I don't want to do it and, and either shift it to somebody else or I, uh, or I just scratch it off altogether and don't do it. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't become, Oh my God, I got to do all these things uh, that I should have done that I could have done, but I didn't do. Right. And then you, you basically feel bad for yourself already. So I, I, I don't take that upon myself. Yeah. Now nah, really awesome points. And I like how you, you broke it down into those two different things and, and really it comes down to, to making a decision, right? Um, you know, and, and, you know, you can count down slowly, whatever it is, use your gut, you know, your intuition to make that decision. But I think the key thing that comes down to it as well is right is, is having a team or, or partners or, you know, people you can trust that um, you can delegate the work to, or you can ask for opinions and say, what do you think about this? Or even if, if it's a coach or a mentor, right? And say, how do I do this? What should I do for this particular area to show you along the way? So yeah, really awesome points there, Peter. I loved how you, uh, you, you, you know, structured that with that, uh, with everything. And, um, and you, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge and, you know, you also have your own podcast, um, you know, Investorpreneur. So maybe let everybody know a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so, you know, the, the whole thing about me is going, you know, where our, our podcast is about where an investor meets entrepreneur. We discuss everything along the lines of property. And it's really about, a, you know, my sharing of what's going on, how I've been able to take some of the things of, that I learned from other people, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people have given me the opportunity as, as a young teenager and then to an adult, you know, teaching me some of their secrets you know what do they do how are they doing it so i wanted to you know equally give back and for sharing some of the things that helped me become financially free and financially independent right to the point where i can now build businesses internationally and i wanted to be able to bring what real estate really means how do you do them how do you be creative with them how is the mindset behind it what type of strategies do you need to utilize and how can you utilize that from a prediction standpoint right so one of the podcasts that we did was on, uh, you know, how to triple your, your, your net worth in the next 10 years, right? Because of uh, COVID. So COVID is, is, is an event. How do you take advantage of it? How do you, I mean, sure, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not talking about how this health, you know, affects the world economy or how the health component of that as, aspect of it works. It's really catered around, okay, well, how do you think about real estate? How do you think about real estate in times like this? What do you then do? How is this going to trickle out? What's the prediction? If you had a crystal ball, you know, my, one of my mentors always said, you know, if you had a crystal ball and you could predict the future, wouldn't you want a hand in the outcome of the game? Right. That, that, that to me, like you now can see it. And for real estate investors or business entrepreneurs or angel investors, or if, if anybody listened to this podcast, it's the same thing. If you had a crystal ball and you could see very clearly what is about to happen. My question is, what are you going to do about it? 
So a lot of people do, well, you know, that's what investorpreneurs is, is, is that foresight, is the investment in hand, but at the same time, how an entrepreneur can take advantage of those. Because a lot of people who are uh, lawyers, accountants, or even just, you know, you're having their day-to-day -day job, they all want to be involved in real estate, or at least want to understand more about real estate because they've heard from friends and family, but they don't know how, or perhaps they don't know what the next steps are. So for me, it's sharing our experience and bringing in some of the people who I respect as well as that I've learned from in terms of their skills and strategies to be able to share the same thing as to how to invest in real estate. So that's what Investorpreneur is all about. Everything investing real estate. Yeah. Awesome. And, and it is an amazing show. You know, I've, I've listened to many episodes and I definitely um, you know, implore everybody to jump on that and, and uh, reach out and listen to them. Cause if you really want to understand that Peter's giving you a lot of gold in there. Um, so it's, it's, it's really awesome. So yeah, well done for a great show and I'm looking forward to hearing more on it as well, Peter. Thank you. Uh, so, um, you know, and we met at a mastermind event in a mega success soon after and, you know, where we instantly connected and, um, you know, you see the value of networking, connecting with like-minded people and, and see if, uh, you know, win-win deals can be done. Uh, you know, you have a diverse portfolio and uh, far-reaching network, which uh, sets you apart to be one of the best, uh, you know, global real estate investors. So I'm, I'm very grateful that we uh, connected and uh, look forward to working with you in the future as well. Well, absolutely. Me too. And I'm, I'm humbled. And it's, you know, our network is our net worth, right? You know, you, if you need a hand, how can you seek consultation? How can you get the answers uh, without doing it all yourself? So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing that I got an opportunity to work with great people and affiliating with different networks of people who have a similar mindset. And that's very important because, you know, when times get tough, you want the best people around you. And it doesn't mean just your staff. It doesn't mean your just your immediate team. It's also other entrepreneurs that have the insight, intuition, have the ability to tell you, hey, you know, what are you thinking, right? With London real estate, what's going on? You know, I'm not in London. I haven't been able to fly to London. I haven't been back to Vancouver. You know, ever since, uh, you know, COVID happened, there's so much that has changed. And I need the resources of people on the ground. What's going on? How is rental rates? What's going on? Is there a lot of vacancy? This is the eyes and years. You need people around you that can inspire you and to be your eyes and ears. And, and, and I'm blessed and privileged to have met you, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Peter. And so, you know, I completely agree with you. So many awesome points and, you know, thank you very much for your time today, Peter. I'm sure many people have, um, you know, greatly benefited from your valuable wisdom. So how can people find you and get in contact with you? Well, uh, people can find me at IamPeterLeong.com or if you're on Facebook, you can do the same Peter Leung or I'm Peter Leung. I'm Peter Leung. You can actually find a lot of, you know, our stuff on videos um, or even podcasts of, of me working with people, serial entrepreneurs and investors on stage or even on videos all over the world. Um, and just learn from other people, right? Learn from other people and the people around us. So I've had the blessing, uh, blessing of working with some of these people. So you can find us online to get some of those insights where we share day to day things that are happening around the world in real estate as well. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. So thank you everyone for watching and listening to this show where we talk about everything on business growth. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram as Ethan Cassiotis or visit my website, ethancassiotis.com. I completely agree with you or do I? The only way you will know is if you tune in next time. Until next time, remember that our business grows when we learn skills and take action using them in spite of fear. Have a great day.